Welcome to the latest Aussie Villains podcast. The crew is back. We had a one-week break because, hey, you know what? That's what we do. We're going to be looking at our top five defenders from the history of kind of Villa for us. So it doesn't mean they're the best ever. It means that they're kind of like our favourite. We'll be looking at some trades. We'll be looking at the new kits and answering your questions. This is the Aussie Villains podcast. Oh, and it's summer in the UK, so we might as well have this song on. This is the Aussie Villains Podcast. The Aussie Villains Podcast. Paul, joined by my co-hosts, Rhino and Spud. How are we, boys? Very well, thanks, mate. Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? Oh, good, good. But it's been a weird kind of week as a Villa supporter. I've, I've kind of sat on the wall and watched Villa supporters kind of, some Villa supporters kind of, we're bipolar. We're happy one day, we're disappointed the next. <laughs> it's a strange supporter group, eh? As I said to Rhino yesterday, like a personal favourite of mine was someone going on about Yuri Tillemans having, uh, putting on a bit of timber. And I was like, there's <laughs> these, guys, these guys, like, and people retweeting it and stuff. And I'm like, these people probably couldn't even drive 10 kilometres and they're getting on, let alone run 10 kilometres and they're going on to Yuri Tillemans about putting on a bit of timber. Like, it's hilarious. I, I saw that yeah. as well. <laughs> I, 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 and and the, my favourite one, and this is just some supporters. We're not saying our whole supporter base, but I love the ones that are um, talking about how we're stuffing up signings and all this. We have no idea what's going on in the background. <laughs> no, no, of the club. Yeah. Nah, it's, uh, still, think, it's silly it's, season at the moment, isn't it? With um, with Villa fans, really, you know, you you've only got to go on Twitter or Facebook groups, and and not all of them, but you know, with um. The transfer windows. It always seems the same. Fans just get a little bit agitated and a bit, yeah, I don't know, get a bit a silly. Of, a lot of the time, though, it's the same names you see, though, popping yeah. up, whinging about things like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you see it from all supporter groups, you know, like Habits signs um, uh, from Chelsea at Arsenal, which I think is a really good um, utility player. Um, he's not going to stand out in any one position. He's kind of going to be moved around, which is, as you become a better club, you need those players, right? Yeah, uh, and they're going to be um, playing Champions League and FA Cup, League Cup, um, Premier League, and and so you need those players. But this is how insane it is. That was sixty five million, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, we're paying uh, sixty five million for a guy who's not absolutely guaranteed to be week in week out. Yeah. yeah. This is the way football has gone in England, isn't it? Like, you know, you pay a premium for each player. I, I actually, I think it's going to turn out to be a brilliant signing. I think he's quality. I just think he's been very underutilised at Chelsea. Like, I, I oh. just think he's far better. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not a number nine, like. But yeah. because because Tuchel lost interest in Timo Werner and had absolutely no interest in Lukaku, he, he had to play him there, you know. And I think oh. he's, he's been a bit of a victim of Chelsea's uh, failings in the transfer market, really, to be honest. So I suppose that's where I'm coming from with... With um, I think Man U are looking at signing a, a keeper for sixty million, and I suppose the thing I'm saying is that we don't want to be silly about our signings. You know, like mm-hmm. getting we got Tillemans. There'll be other signings come in. The season still doesn't start for what two and a bit months. So yeah. you know, what's... Emery, Emery's only back a body more heat since this week, like you know, yeah. years ago. And the thing is, as well, like I, I seen a guy say the other day, like, oh, we're we've signed no one. The, the owners are fraud. This and that. I was like. 
what are you basing this on? Like some click, clickbait articles? We've no idea who Villa are interested in. Like, that's well, the yeah. and we've been and we've been very secretive with our transfers in the last few windows. No one's known really anything until they've been announced. Danny Ings was the classic, wasn't it? There was no no talk of him, no sniff of him. And all of a sudden, he's holding the shirt at Bodymore. So I think, yeah, and we even- we. We just do things undercover, and that's the way to do it. Even you see all the journalists now, the ones who claim to be in the know now, they're all claiming that they knew that they were getting whispers about McGinn's contract, but uh, uh, they, did, they didn't want to release it. And then, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, they, was doing, after the event, they were doing they? the um, they were doing the club a favor, yeah, that, that's yeah. what that was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Monchi doesn't start into uh, well, officially doesn't start until July anyway, does he? I think no, and, and that's the thing, so. Look, I think things will happen pretty quickly. I, I, there'd be conversations, hundreds, 100%. There'd be conversations happening 20 hours a day already. Yeah. Oh, oh, Unai Emery's such a thorough guy. I would imagine he'll want to bring them guys to America with him. So I expect a lot to happen over the next three weeks. Yeah. Well, let's move across for a moment, unless you've got some, we can come back to some, um, we'll come back there. But this uh, weekend, we saw the release, or over the last few days, the release of the Villa kit. So on our Aussie Villains um, Twitter account, at Aussie Villains, uh, we just put up, how do you feel about the new kit? Um, we had love it, hate it, it's okay, don't care. Um, love it got 24%, hate it 12%, it's okay 51%, and don't care 13%. And I think that's the overwhelming thing, mm-hmm. that, we're, that it's okay and, and we're fairly underwhelmed by it. So... Um, I think you know that that's a fair take. The other yeah. thing is, the other thing is, people are talking about gambling sponsorships and hating them. I and I'm not a fan of I'm, I'm public about that. But one of the things you can do, guys, for those who are really adamant against the gambling tops, is that almost all the training tops that look very similar won't have the gambling sponsor on there. So you can go ahead and do that kind of thing as well. Um, I would like the option. I believe Wolves did that. Um, I would like the option to buy one without the sponsor, but I'm sure the sponsors wouldn't be too happy to be paying a premium for people not to wear it. Mm. No, I agree. Um, I, I think from a club's perspective, like it would be nice to have the option for people. Like, look, I mean, I like people are getting up in arms about the club doing it. I'm not a fan, but like at the end of the day, like if they want to move forward as a club, they have to monetize the club as best they can. That's the reality. But like, we're not mm. we're not Man City. We'll be penalized for living off the, the owners' handouts. Like, so like. You know, if we want to push forward, we have to monetize it. It's going to go out the door. We may not agree with it, but unfortunately, Villa have to do what's best for Villa, and that's the reality of it. And it's it's sad. And obviously, it's illegal for them to put it on the kids' shirts. And I agree, Paul. I think it would have been nice for them to give an option, but I think you're 100 right there. I think if you'd probably lose quarter or half your revenue if you struck a deal, that wouldn't mean half your shirts didn't have it. You know. I think it's only two seasons left, isn't there, where clubs are allowed. I think this might just be in the Premier League. Two seasons left and then then shirts can't have a, a gambling sponsor on the front. So like you say, I think Villa probably looking at it thinking, let's make the most of it in the next two years. Um get what we can, you know, for the club. But I, I'm just not a big fan of the shirt from, you know, an aesthetic point of view. I'm not too fussed about the gambling sponsor on the front myself, but I just don't really think the shirt stands out and it's just a bit plain for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought the same. Like, if you're just talking pure aesthetics, and look, most football fans who are um, really into their football, um, we are 
geeks of the game and we are geeks of the shirt. And maybe it'll grow on me because I've seen it on a few people who've bought it from the club shop this week. It does look like another tight fit. So from someone like me who's a little bit of a larger man, it's a bit of a worry. Um, but, I mean, have you also seen the prices for the um, shirts this year if you're buying the full kind of more player? Um, Pro shirts, yeah. Oh, mm. my God. It's $215 on it for, for, for us to buy it now, the pro shirt. Like. Over $200. It's a lot of money, isn't it, for a shirt? I, I'm sorry. It's just getting out of hand. I mean, mm-hmm. and they're not shirts that are going to last either. We know. Nah. Um, as much as the technology has changed over the last few years, unless you wash your shirt very carefully and it's inside out, these shirts do not last. Yeah, as I kind of said, I said on Twitter anyway, like, and I, and I genuinely strongly believe this, like, I really don't care what they look like in the shirt. I just really care about what they do in the shirt. If they lift the cup wearing that jersey, fine by me. I won't be buying one. It's just not my kind of I just, preference. I just don't really like the shirt. But that's not to say that I'm not going to celebrate them lifting a trophy. In it, you know? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I think I always look forward to seeing what they come out as as the second and third tops. Yeah, um, I agree. Even this season, I'm with you, Paul. I'm, the away shirt this season, the light blue, and I was a big fan of. So I'm I'm excited to see what they do with the away and the and the third kit. I hope they don't just. I hope they don't just reverse it and um, go claret on the sleeves and blue on the shirt. Which... <laughs> I, I'm sure anyway, Ali Watkins and uh, Bubakar Kamara can pull it off better than Mark Holmes anyway. That shirt. So. <laughs> I, I, I get the wrong size. I might not be able to pull it off. It might have to be. <laughs> but um, um, we we also got so look. There's some pretty strong feelings about the shirt. Um, I, I'm slightly underwhelmed. I just think mm. you've got professionals designing these shirts. And when you're seeing um, fans do up their mock-ups, some of these mock-ups, the thing I want to say about mock-ups, whilst they might look great, they might not be able to be done. Like there might be something about the mock-up that can't be done mass-produced, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, there's yep. a lot of laws going to what you can put in and stuff as well. Like, you know what I mean? You're tied with a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot goes into the thought about it. Like, so... Oh, exactly. And I saw a few designs that looked really good at first. And then I went, oh, just a second. That looks like a Crystal Palace top. Oh, just a second. That looks like it, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you were walking down the street at the moment and you saw a Burnley fan, this this the kind of pattern in there looks like a Burnley top from a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's. I thought the same, like West Ham sort of Burnley vibes about the top. It might be different, like you say, though, seeing it in the flesh and seeing it live. I've only really seen... You know, photos on Twitter from the club and stuff, and a couple of fans who've sort of posted their photos. But maybe I'll, I'll get out and have a look at it once they sort of land over here and see see what they look like. Martin's jersey looks nice, though. Mm. Yeah, well, the, the dark ever, one, yeah. I don't think I've ever bought a goalkeeper jersey, though. I don't think I have, to be honest. No. I've never bought a goalkeeper jersey. There's been and, you're, a- and you're a big jersey man, Paul. You're like, you know, you like you you love your jerseys, like so. For you not to have bought a goalkeeper jersey kind of says a lot to me, you know. Oh, well, look, I think the only one I would ever consider is a couple of Emmys have looked pretty good, but I think he made them look good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, the the home kit is what it is. I think Spud said it really well. It's what we do in the shirt. I don't think any of us will care at the end of the year or end of the season if we've had a great season wearing whatever. We could go out there just skins, skins versus shirts, I reckon. <laughs> if if they lift the FA Cup or the conference in it this time next year, we'd be saying it's the greatest shirt in our history. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, look, we got some good questions again. I'll start on our Twitter uh, feed. Um, we normally put up a post a couple of days beforehand. 
Um, and we've got a question from Wolfgang Villa, Villa underscore Wolfgang, and he said he's Archer on his way out. Mm. He's uh, He's been discussed a lot on this podcast, hasn't he, Cameron Archer? And um, I think the preseason will tell us a lot with how much he's involved. Um, had a good season at end of last season with Middlesbrough. Um, definitely a lot of potential there, but as we've said quite a few times, it needs some top level game time now and needs to sort of prove it at that level. Um, is he going to be here next season? My gut feel is probably no. Just going off, I think we probably will sign another striker and that might push him out. Over to you, Spud. It's... it's really hard one to call it really is like I've changed my mind on this so mm. over, over I thought when he was flying at Middlesbrough I genuinely do think if Middlesbrough went up he would have went on loan there for the year I said that for a long time um, yeah I don't know I, don't know. I, I, I suppose I, I, they're going to keep him around for pre-season I'd assume um, but I, I think Reynolds hit the nail in the head I think if another striker comes in it's going to push him push him down the pecking order I think the only chance he has of sticking around really is if Duran goes on loan, which I think he will and then he becomes third striker with the extra games, but is that any good for anyone? Is it good for mm. him? For us? What's he really benefit? And I think, I think unless Emery's going to play him, let we can, not he's not going to play every game, but unless Emery's going to play him start him 15-20 games what's the, there's no point keeping him like send him out on loan and see what he can do and then make your decision because, yeah, I just don't think it's, we've, we've had so many players do happened in the past you know so yeah. uh, I, I think Gerard did him a disservice by keeping him last year personally I think I think Gerard caved to fan pressure personally I, I, I think Gerard planned to send them out and just because all the fans were demanding that he got kept it, that's what it seems to me Um, and as soon as Emery came in Emery sent him out on so um, I think Emery will be thinking go do it for a year you've done it for six months prove it over a full season and we look again next year he's still young you know yeah, yeah I think I, I, I personally think um, I, I, I keep putting the lens on of, of us getting into the top four and the top six. And, and my lens says that we, we've seen enough of him. Um, I, I think he's got tremendous potential, but, but we can't live on potential all the time. We've done that as a club for too many years. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I, do I think he can play? Yes. Is he, if we had a better squad, I think he might be a squad player. But um, uh, if we're going to do what we need to do in financial fair play, I think he'll be on his way out. Yeah, I agree with mm. you. I think what you'd have to look at as well is, like, is he going to dislodge Ali Watkins? No. Is Ali Watkins guaranteed to be the starting striker next season? No. So where does mm. Ali Archer? Yeah. Do, do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like, we all know that uh, Emery's made no secret of the fact he's in for a striker, probably as a partner to Watkins, if not, you know... I, I just don't see what Archer dislodging either of them. Could be wrong. He might have a brilliant preseason. I, I would be shocked. I would be shocked if Emery's not looking for a striker that he considers better than Watkins. I, I, I couldn't imagine Emery looking to break even or have someone lesser. Uh, it's not yeah. in nature to yeah. do so. So if we're going to sign someone and it's going to be better than Watkins, then we're in for a very, very good few years ahead. So anyway, yeah. Archer's going to play is like if you're going off to a Thursday night in a away game in Moldova or something and, you know, you have a bigger game on the Sunday in the league or whatever, but yeah, know, it's just not any good for his career either, you know? No, it's not. It's not. So, uh, good one. I'd like to see other people's ideas on that. So, yeah. Billy Wiz, yeah. 
at World Football Chat as well. He said, having John McGinn originally for $2.5 million, if we were looking for a player of the same, how much would we pay and would we buy John McGinn? Hmm. Yeah, it's a tale of two um, sort of two halves. This one, like at the start of this se- the season, just gone. You know, everyone the writing was on the wall, wasn't it? And, you know, we spoke about it, sort of saying that he's probably on his way out. And then Emery comes in, transforms in, signs a new four year contract this week, and looks has been probably our best player in that back end of the season up there with Douglas Louise. So, yeah, two and a half million is an absolute snip for him at the moment. And if you're looking to replace him now with, you know, a midfielder and the, the, the going prices, I think you're looking 30, 40 million possibly for a player of, you know. Um, yeah, maybe 25 to 30 even. But yeah. um, the, the, market is a, the market is really over the top at the moment. Um so I'm not quite sure. I'd like to have clarified that a little bit more with Billy Wiz. Having John McKinnon originally for 2.5, if we were looking for a player of the same, how much would we pay and would we buy John McGinn? So if John, mm-hmm. was, if John McGinn was out there, I'm not sure if I've got the question right here. It is a good one. I think what he means is, what has John McGinn worked now? And is he the type of player we'd be in the market for if we didn't have uh, him? He'd, he'd be 30 million right now. Yeah. He'd be more, I'd say, now. So I would say no, based on that. Um, look, I, I thought John McGinn was out the door last year. I, I, like, uh, like, uh, or when Emery came in, I, I genuinely thought he was gone. His confidence was shot to pieces. He was a shadow of the player he was like. So it just goes to show his mental strength and what an incredible turnaround. Like, like yeah. of all the players, like I know they've all turned around to some degree, but mm. you'd have to say McGinn was probably the biggest turnaround of all of them. Like we knew how good a defender Tyrone Mings was. He was showing it. He just didn't have Gerard's confidence. And a couple of the fans used to be just jumping over mistakes. But McGinn looked like he was on the way down, awfully performing. Like well, I, I, I couldn't see a way back from him genuinely. And I, even Emery said in his interviews, like he said, uh, I wasn't sure about him, but now I'm 100% sure. Like, and to buy him, I don't think there's many players like him out there. That's the thing. Like he's 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 a strange kind of like his attributes are kind of weird. Like. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure, Spud. I I think there is. I think, I think there is players like him. I think he's a championship. I think he's better than championship, but I think he's a championship kind of Scottish player. And what I mean by that is typical of the Scottish game. He's hard. He's tough. He he's got a good passing range. I think there are players out there. They're just bloody hard to find. Yeah, I know, but he's. He's, he's like what he's shown under Emery is his tactical adaptability. Yes. Like how many positions has he played for Emery? Like, yeah, you know? and that that flexibility towards the end of the season. We never thought he could play in a deep pivot role, but then he he slotted in there when Kamara was out and 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 just looked quality again. Whereas you know for Scotland we know he's played further forward, and then for Villa he was playing further forward on the right, and so he's become a, a really important part of that squad now. I would say so, vital. Like he's yeah. a vital member of the squad now, and he's the guy that Emery turns to in a moment of lapses. Like, say, remember that time when um Cash came off injured straight away before he redrigged, he pushed he pushed um McGinn over to left back. Oh, sorry, when Dina went off injured, until he was able to switch Young over, his first instance was to throw McGinn and left back just to cover until he reshuffled the pack. I mean, yeah. that's serious trust, like from the manager, like he's played him, and but I don't think he wants to do that with him. I no. think that's a lot to do with why we've signed Jory Tillemans. I don't think he wants to keep 
pull him again. I think he, he sees McGinn in a certain position and every time Kamara got injured, he had to pull McGinn out of that position and I don't think he wants to continue doing that. Like, Where do you think he sees McGinn, Spud? Where do you think he sees his best position, Emery? I think that right side. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that for me. Um, I think and and no matter what formation he puts out, which will probably be jigged from time to time, McGinn fits on that right every time. Yeah, yeah, and I think the, the it's a great question, and and I think what I love about it is we don't have to speculate because we got him. The club are doing a great job of tying these assets to yep. the long term contracts. It's something yep. the Villa were very bad at. How many players did we lose that run a year? Yeah, and stuff over the years. Like you show the player now, they're straight away you can go. Oh, he's got four years left. He's got five years left. It's incredible business from the club. Like it's it's smart, strategic. Even if these players leave. It means you're going to get top dollar from them. But you also have to do it. And I think the, the great example at the moment is the absolute mess that Inter Milan are, uh, Inter Milan are in. They um, are, are, lo- are losing 140 to 200 million a year. They are under financial fair play. I, I'm not quite sure, but I don't think they're allowed to lose more than 40 or 60 million for the next two seasons. Please, anyone, correct me on that, but that's the research I've done. And they're, a, but, they're an aging squad as well, Paul. They've got a lot. Like Jekko's thirty-seven. He's left them now this year. You know, it's yeah. a whole squad. Like, and they're like, on fire sale time. So, you know, I, financial fair play is really starting to. We're seeing it for the first real tangible time. What clubs are having to do? Chelsea just nutball club at the moment with what they're doing. Yeah, you know? it, it's literally nuts. Yeah. Um, they're it, in the process of selling Mount to Man United. Havertz to Arsenal and Kovacic to City. That's crazy, like. Well, yeah. Mace, um, Mason Mount, I mean, you guys can double-check this on me. Um, Manchester United's basically, I think they're pulling the bluff and just going, nah, that's it. Because it's up to $80 million, I believe. And well, I think gone. his contract is up, isn't it, next season? He he's told them season. Not, he, he's basically told them, apparently, that I'm not signing a new contract. Like, yeah, I think that's... Go, there's one season to go, guys. Yeah, so, so I think you're right, Paul. I reckon the, there's going to be a bit of bluff in there. Man United are going to say, well, we'll wait for him um, and you will get him on a free. So I think that'll obviously... That'll play out in the next few weeks. But, but yeah, it's an interesting you're point. Million. You're not paying $80 million. Buy it with one season left on his contract. I think the reality is though Chelsea need to sell more than United need to buy him. Yes. So like that's only going to end up one way. Mm. Well, Man U went with the original fifty. It went back at sixty. They went back at seventy. Chelsea said eighty, and Man U's gone nut. (laughs) So yeah, maybe it's something I don't see because a lot of managers reckon that tactically, tactically he's fantastic. But I don't see. I I think I'm going to see. I think he's a bit overrated. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. But I think he's a good player. But I'm just. I suppose we're trying to put some perspective on on why Villa's not going out and just signing anyone. Yeah. Um, is because the market is ridiculously priced, and people can say, "Well, you've got to pay it." But guess what? You don't. Yeah. And, and and young and British players have always come with hefty price tags, haven't they? And especially with clubs buying from the same league, we see it all the time. English players, the inflation on their prices. If Mount was a different nationality, Italian or Spanish, I, I, you're right. He wouldn't be going. The, the money wouldn't be that amount. It'd be thirty. It'd be thirty or forty. Oh, yeah, no. and, and that that comes down to the the the, the quota of English players, the homegrown players you need for the Champions League. Yeah. yeah. Um, so look, just I suppose we're trying to put that in perspective. And we also put in perspective that we don't always know. We, we hear about the transfers, but we don't always hear about the week, uh, weekly wage. And that's why when someone like a um, Lionel Messi is free, 
um, on a free and people are like, well, you just, why don't we just get him? We've got Martinez. He'll talk him into it. But then you don't know what he's on weekly and all the other caveats oh, that he's got. hundred percent. I was, I was, I was had a conversation with somebody on Twitter the other day because he, he put a post on, I can't remember one of the Villa pages anyway. And he was like, oh, well, how much is this guy worth? And I was like, us as fans have no idea what a player's worth because they're all, oh, they're on about Nakamba, Nakamba to Luton. That's what it was. And I was like, we might look at a price and how much he plays for us. They look at how many jersey sales are going off in Zimbabwe. Like there's so much more involved in players pricing mm-hmm. than we understand. Like they don't just, they don't just pluck a, a, a figure out of their head. Like, like us fans do like, there's, you know, no. everything is taught and planned for like, you know, there's, there, there's a reason that a player is valued at certain amount like, yeah. Yeah, all all the image rights that go with players now as well, especially the top players. You know, they you know, all that sponsorship stuff that comes with them is mind boggling, isn't it? What they can earn and how they earn it through the club and the percentage they get of shirt sales, and it's it it would be complicated. I was reading there about the MLS there, like and um and and Messi signing for Inter Milan, mm. and he's getting a percentage of the streaming sales from Peacock for the MLS. Peacock's like a streaming service that shows the MLS and the Premier League, and yeah. he, he's now getting a percentage of that from the league for signing for Inter Milan because his profile is going to raise the league so much. And I think there's an option for him it's to have shares or to have a to have, be a, an owner of a club as well, similar to what Beckham did, I think, when he finished up. There was options there for him to have a, a franchise or a club. Yes, so it's did. pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think I'll ever get that. that, that have a look. They know they've got the US Pro League and they've got the Major League Soccer. They don't have pro and relegation at the moment. Uh, and I think even with Messi's money, he's going to find it hard to buy into a club now because mm. you, you don't automatically get that MLS license. They're really, yeah. really hard to get. 100%. They reckon Sergio Busquets is going over there now as well to enter Miami. Wow. Mm. Uh, well, good stuff there. And they're getting great crowds. Let's get back into a, a couple more. Um, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Number nine, image. Very disappointed after being excited about the round badge making a comeback. So basic shirt fleck boring. And as for the sponsor, enough said. So not a question so much as his um, commentary. Someone not too happy with the shirt, but we appreciate you, um coming in there. I'm just going to have a look uh, on our Facebook feeds and see what we got there. Uh, I think it's a pretty quiet time at the moment as well. So with not a lot of happening, there's not a lot of uh, questions. So just be one moment, boys. This is uh, podcasting at its absolute greatest. (laughs) (laughs) So talk talk amongst yourselves. Uh, Let's just have a look there. I finally finished Welcome to Wrexham, Rainer. Is it good? It's really good. It's much better than I thought it would be. have you guys not watched it yet? I know I'm way behind fellas with a little one trying to watch stuff, to be honest. It's like, yeah, just impossible. But yeah, I, I do want to watch Welcome to Wrexham, actually. It's, 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 it's actually been... much better than I thought it would be, to be honest. I yeah. really enjoyed it. And, and, yeah. and you know, like, um, I suppose now that we know what's happened to the club, and you know, mm. it's, it's, it's even better. Um, guys, we did have some more comments. Um, not so much questions, but more comments about the shirt. So, Troy Asquith. Thank you, Troy. He's always a good supporter of the pod. Um, he just said about the kit, it's fine. Nothing outstanding, just another kit. I'm all for the new badge. I like seeing it on the kit. Not fussed about the gambling sponsor, but won't stop me from getting it. Uh, likely in a way, if it's a nice design, and he put up a sample of the uh, away kit, which is white, with a little bit uh, of claret and blue. If it is the away kit, I, I, I would definitely consider buying it. I think white kits can look amazing. Um but anyway, 
here we go. Not for me. Sponsor colour spoils it for me. It's average considering the launch of a new badge. Uh, Omar, that was from Anthony Gozra. Uh, Thank you for that. Omar's a big thumbs down, and Kevin Barry Adams is a big thumbs down. So no questions from the boys there this week in that regard, but some good feedback on the uh, kits. And that, guys, that does seem to be what's happening with the kits. I think people are just, I think they're a bit flat about it, to be honest. I think someone made a good point there. New badge was probably a good opportunity to get a really nice kit out there, and it's a good platform to launch back into the round badge and, and whatnot. Now, I think uh, there was probably a bit of expectation from the fans, wasn't there, with a bit of a redesign? Re- but it just, yeah, all a bit flat, really. Probably missed an opportunity. But I've seen that white mock-up of the away shirt. I think that would be a nice addition. It, it looks like one of the old early 90s away shirts, the mitocopier away shirt. But if we can get something like that, I think that would be that would be decent. We um we did have one more interaction from our uh, regular listener, Mark Smith, as well on Facebook. Ah, yes, we did. Smith, he said, uh, not sure if it's too late for the podcast, but what's your thoughts on the confusion with the two badges? I'll go for it, boys. I'm confused. Is there, is there confusion about the two badges? I haven't seen anything, to be honest. Basically, what's happening is that they're going to leave the new badge on the jerseys, but the old badge is going to be rebranded all around Villa Park and, and, and everything else. So, ah, I didn't know that. That's quite strange. Um, after watching, um, I watched the thing last night about Chris Heck, the commercial thing there that uh, Paddy Kelly had up there. It was really, yeah. inter- really interesting, and I've let it, he took over when he took over the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and he goes deep into how they changed everything in the branding. So from watching that, I kind of think that he might have put the brakes on it and just to uh, see how things go and then take it from there. Because I think he's got complete control of the commercial, and that would have obviously been signed off under Perslo. So uh, if you get a chance to watch it, lads, definitely watch it. It's so yeah. the guy is really, really interesting to listen to about branding. And then Mark Smith uh, carried on with. He said, "Well, in that case, thoughts on the Saudi sports washing? I think the door is being opened to something that could get out of control due to the financial clout." Yeah, I think a lot of people have been thinking that for a while. I think you only have to look at things like the Live Tour, uh, Formula One, um, or you know, a lot of different sports. And I think we're already seeing the effect. You know, people are paying way overs for players when you know. I suppose we always say this about collecting. You know, I collect cards and stuff. A card is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. So if someone does pay eighty million, hundred million for players, then that's the market, isn't it? Uh, um, it's already having an effect. You only have to look at Man City, um, you look at Newcastle, you look at clubs like that, and there'll be more. Um, I would be surprised if, if half the Premier League's not owned uh, by Middle Eastern um, concerns down the track. It's um, it's a big concern for me if there is truth in the fact that uh, that um, Chelsea's owners are heavily invested from by Newcastle and Saudi owners. Um, because now they're buying all the players from Chelsea, so they're basically giving Todd Bowley, the Chelsea's owner, to get out a free deal card for his financial fair play and missed perhaps last year. Now you're selling like bang average players a massive yeah. in Saudi Arabia. Um, if this turns out to be true, then like that's a serious kick in the integrity of the game. Like that's like yeah, definitely. There's, there's yeah. absolutely no other way of like you. You can we can say that this is how sports has gone, but that's that's a different level. Like. That's mm. taking 
any jeopardy away. That means that no matter what Chelsea or Newcastle or City do in the future, it's never going to implement them in anything because they can just move players around. I mean, yeah. you're paying me. surprised if, if if clubs have come down hard on. Like I, I, I just I suppose I'm being a conspiracy theorist here. I, I look at all the charges that have been leveled against Man City. And you wonder if they're almost scared to implement them because of the threat of breakaway leagues. Because live, right, live in golf is the benchmark um, because the PGA has succumbed to them already, haven't they? I mean, there's three mm-hmm. three tours that have joined up. Um, and, you know, people like Rory McIlroy, who said, you know, that he, he literally said he hates the players who signed for live. And he said that. Um, so you can't sue me. You'll get nothing anyway. <laughs> and so my my thoughts are the English Premier League only 30, you know, just over 30 years ago broke away or changed the face of English and, and world football in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Lips golf is completely within two years, 18 months, completely changed the face of golf. Don't be surprised if this uh, the breakaway leagues continue to happen over the next, either talk of or it happens over the next few years. Yeah, and the, the money, the money just being bandied about, and you see the wages, and you know players going over there are on insane money. And we saw something similar with China going back, say five, maybe a bit longer, five years ago or more, where you know players like Oscar Hulk and a few of these guys were sort of getting snapped up. But this this seems a bit bigger than that um, to me, and I, I'm the same as but I'm seeing a lot of these Chelsea players being sold off over there for ridiculous money, and you can just sort of see what's happening. I mean, Chelsea building up some revenue, selling players and sort of filling their pockets. Now, that that that's a real problem for me. And we know Man City uh, and Newcastle are sort of in Saudi ownership as well, Middle Eastern ownership. So, yeah, it's it could have massive ramifications on the league. It, it, I'm going to probably correct both of you there. It, it's not a potential. It is. It's mm. It, it, football is not going to be the same the next few years for whatever you know good or bad it's going to be bad for most of us and like they're getting all the big boxing fights in Riyadh now and stuff as well like because like other other associations cannot financially match them like just, just they just can't like like we thought you Ryan made a great point about China there the big difference with I think with China and Saudi Arabia is that the sustainability Saudi Arabia have untold wealth like they can keep mm. they can keep it going like China because of Chinese laws and stuff we had it with our own owner where you can't let the money leave the country and you're only allowed to take a certain amount of your wealth outside Chinese borders and all this kind of thing Saudi Arabia have so many companies spread around the world and as you said they're involved in the boxing they're involved in it. and I just I just don't like the way it's going like this is not it's not, not getting political or anything like but that's not what football is about. It's it's got it's got it's getting me on the joke. Like you're paying, like you're they're paying massive money for 33, 34 year olds. It's just ridiculous. But it's getting Chelsea out of jail. If not, well, I mean, guys, we had a similar. I'm just going to um follow up on this one. Um, Holtender O2 sent us a private message on our Twitter account. And it's almost exactly the same question. And it was um, last week. Question, guys. Do you see the sudden emergence of premiership players leaving to play in Saudi concerning? Could this be likened to golf? It's just, we just spoke about that. It was a great question. Thank you very much there, Holtender O2. I do. I do see the potential for that happening. Not saying it'll happen right now, but breakaway comps, Saudi comps, players, I mean, money talks and everything else walks. Like, 
you know, I don't think you're going to want to miss out on things like the Champions League. I don't think you're going to want to miss out on stuff like that. So, yeah. People are saying, like, they were crazy how much they they, they, they paid for Ronaldo. But Ronaldo was their flagship signing. Like, that's you yeah. know what I mean? that's where I was starting. Like, so no, Ronaldo was coming to the end of his career. It made sense for him. Like, but for them, like, he's such a global name. Suddenly, suddenly you've got, like, the likes of Koulibaly and all them going. But now to talk of Bernardo Silva going, that's a worry. Bernardo yeah. Silva is not. Even- even Ruben Neves from Wolves, you know, he's 28 and he's gone over for 40 odd million and still and a player who could still be playing at the top level and is still capable of doing it. it was linked with Barcelona not so long ago. But like you say, Paul, money talks and they're starting to drag some players over who are, you know, under 30 as well now. So it's very scary, the, you know, the football horizon. And it's going to, like you say, I think it is going to change, Paul. There's no, no denying that. It's changed well, Formula One, hasn't it? Like Red Bull mm-hmm. changed Formula yeah. One and how that's going now. And yeah, it's just, yeah. No, look, absolutely. Well, let's get on to a positive note, guys. It's something we have covered before, um, but I thought we'd revisit something um, that we've done previously. And we're going to talk over the next few weeks about our kind of ultimate Villa 11, um, by extension, the ultimate Villa 15, because we're going to put three or four people on the bench as well. So the rules. There really aren't any rules. You can do your own formation. You know, I'm I'm doing four down the back with a keeper. Um, it, it doesn't have to be the greatest Villa players. So the players that you um, uh, find yourself attached to. So, are you guys ready to rock and roll on that one? Let's do it. Okay. So why don't we do it? We'll do it one player at a time um, for each of us. I reckon. Um, to finish off the pod, I think it'd be a nice, good way to do it. So, guys, what formation to start with did you go? Did you have you got four at the back with a keeper? Have you got three at the back? What have you decided on? Four at the back with a keeper, mate. Keeping it standard and simple for me. That's what I've done as well. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I went four at the back with a keeper because that's kind of the formation Villa have played in my generation most of the time. You know. Well, let's chuck a uh, let's chuck our keepers in. Um, you know who I'm going to go, guys. Mm-hmm. I reckon I'm, I'm Mark Bosnich for me, but I, I'll say this, fellas, and you might have to sound the, the test alarm. Emmy Martinez is right <laughs> up there for me now, uh, but I'm still going to stick with Bosnich. But I think in the next year or two, I think that that will change for me. But I'm going to stick with Bosnich for now. Just a hero of mine growing up. Uh, always wanted to be a keeper as a kid, but I'm not the biggest person. So, yeah, just got shipped out the right back, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, Bosnich. Bosnich for me as well, not only because he was Australian, but he was a right smart ass and just a great shot blocker as well and gave Villa a bit of arrogance at once, mm-hmm. which... We've we've kind of lacked that for so many years. So Bosnich for me, and over to you, Spud. Uh, Bosnich as well, hero of mine growing up. You know, I loved him. I like, and I, I never wanted to be a goalkeeper because I would have needed a step ladder. But he, uh, <laughs> he, he, you know, but I did love him, and uh, he was everything that was good about that Villa team back then. Like brilliant team that I always loved. You know, but the main thing for me is that we won trophies with him, and that's, yeah. I think that's yeah. the difference between him and Martinez for me. I liked Brad Fiedel too, but no Bosnich for me. I just think that. Until Martinez starts winning trophies, um, yeah, they, you can't really talk about them in the same bracket, personally. No, now look, I'm going to um, be very different to you guys with my back four. I don't, I know you'll be very technical, Spud, and I love that about you. I've just chosen four at the back that, for whatever reason, really either I heard about them or 
um, I really loved when I saw them. So I don't really care where my back four play. Now, I'm going to preface that for you. And I'm going to start with uh, Melberg. I just loved him. I just loved everything. He, he, he had a cool look about him. He had that short kind of facial hair, the, the, the background of my grandparents and everything like that. So, yeah, for me, I had Melberg. His son has just signed for RB Salzburg as well. Yes, he has. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've got I've got Melberg as one of my centre backs as well. Just a real hard footballer. Um, probably wouldn't fit into the current Villa team under Emery with the ball at foot. But if there's a ball to be won in there or a tackle to be won, no shirking, nothing with Melberg. Just hard, hard player. And yeah, just I think he was an absolute bargain. I think we bought him from Racing Santander for about two and a half, three million. And the service we got for him and the amount of games he played for Villa, that's just incredible for me. And yeah, one of my favourite players, I think, Olaf Melberg. Yeah, gave all the away fans a jersey as well on his last game. Yeah, yeah. The West Ham away, wasn't it? West Ham away, and he, he gave everyone a, a, a jersey on their seat to travel down to Upton Park that day. And that, what a class gesture. That is so class. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. So um, what about you, Spud? Ah, sorry, I'd have to start with my, with my main hero, my main man, Mr. Paul McGrath. I, couldn't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I could uh, ever, ever, ever name a Villa 11 road a minute. I don't think I ever will. Uh, no matter what happens with this team, I don't. I think Paul McGrath will still always be in that back line for me. Just uh, mm. national treasure in Ireland too. Totally get it. Um, you guys are going to hate me because guess what? I don't have him in my five. Oh, oh, That's not good. saying he's not brilliant, <laughs> but nah. the reason, my rationale behind it is that when I chose these players, so they were the players that called to me and... Paul McGrath, I totally get everyone who absolutely loves him. And, and for whatever was happening in my life at that point in time, he, doesn't re- he didn't resonate the same he does with other Villa supporters. So I'm, I'm glad I'm a little bit different. <laughs> so I'm just putting it out there that I knew everyone would put him in. And I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I'm going to be hated after this pod. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be, we're going to be lynched, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I, do I think? Do I believe that he is one of the greatest that we've ever had, if not the greatest? Yes. My rationale was the people who called to me. Yeah, and, and, and that's all you can do, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. I've gone the same as, but I've gone Melbourne. Oh, sorry, I've gone McGrath. Sorry, to partner Melbourne and. Yeah, you just, for me, you go back and you watch some of that footage now. And I think, Spud, I think maybe you commented on his game, World Cup Open at 94, Italy, Ireland. And, you know, you just watch him and just an incredible defender for that time where you had a lot of hard defenders, you know, who did you know were quite one dimensional? Paul McGraw wasn't one dimensional, oh. and you know that's what sort of sets him apart from me. He was probably ahead of his time, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just yeah. just reading the game and just yeah. In our current just, team in our current team, I could see him in the midfield. Yeah, just a brilliant reader of the game, wasn't he? And I, I just watched that highlights package of him because I remember watching that game when I was younger, and just yeah, what a performance against a a top Italian team and, and yeah. yeah. Sorry, Rana. 
You go for it, mate. Go for it. It's your game. Ireland, yeah, Ireland, Italy, mate. No, I was just going to say, for me, it, it, it was the single best performance of any Irish international ever, like, in any in any game. Like, it was, mm. it was unbelievable. And I went to an evening with Paul McGrath in 2020 when I flew back for the uh, Villa-Chelsea game when COVID hit. And I went there on the Thursday night uh, in Birmingham, there in the Crown in Birmingham. And we all got to ask a question. And when I came to my turn, I said to him, oh, look, because uh, I've met him a couple of times, like I said, um, my question is, like I says, uh, look, obviously being an Irish Villa fan, you're obviously one of the one of my heroes. I says, uh, well, the only question I have for you is, how is Roberto Baggio was one of the best players in the world at the time, like at World Cup 94, like oh. done some job on him, like. Mate, unbelievable. Baggio was just, that was peak peak of his powers, that was, wasn't it, around that time? They ruled him out of the game. He told that that, that evening with Paul McGrath that night as well, he told us he told us in the thing, he goes, I was actually ruled out of that game that morning because of a shoulder injury. But he goes, I just couldn't let my country down. So he played with a shoulder. The, the physios didn't want him to play. But he was like, no, nah, I'm not missing. It's the opener for a World Cup. I may never get a chance again, you know? Yeah, brilliant. Now, I've got one here, guys, for for someone who, because I'm older than you guys, um, someone who really called to me when I first started following Villa um, was Alan Evans, who started out as a forward and ended up being one of our best centre-backs that we've ever had. So I, I had Evans down um, because I played for a club in Melbourne that was very um, Scottish. And so everyone's like, ah, oh, Alan Evans, Alan Evans. Um, and he ended up scoring 50 goals for us, uh, basically as a centre-back as well. Jeez, that's all right. It's good going. 51 goals in 380 performances. So for me, <laughs> it's because when I first started following him, um, now he seemed huge to me, like really tall and gangly and big. But I look back now and he was only six foot. So, you know, I, I, I suppose I started following, following Villa at seven. Uh, and he came to Villa uh, in 77 to 89. So when I was learning to follow Villa, he was the guy that I, I put my hat on. Um, for me, my, my next centre-back would be Martin Larson. I just I thought the man was sensational. It's just such a pity with his injury record. But like he was a coup for us too. We got him from AC Milan. But it's just a pity about his injuries. But when he did play, what, a, what an unbelievable yeah. centre-half. Like, mm-hmm. What a presence. Great call as well. So, how many are we down to at the moment, boys? Two each, two two back, two two back lines each. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we've done three. Um, or, or you haven't done your third, have you, Rhino? Yeah, I got uh, Bosnich, Melberg, and McGrath. So, but we're onto the wing backs now. See, I'm not doing. I, I, you guys, as I said, are doing it technically. I'm just doing it as the guys that I would just oh. do no matter what. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going to go Jedi, um, just another Australian. I love the beard. He captained the club with passion. Um, and yeah, get knack for me. Very good signing for Villa at the right time, right I think, time. nearly Edenak. I think, you know, he, he's the he's the he's the leader we needed in the club at that time after having a lot of players come through who disappointed us. You know, you look at the Les Scots, the Richards of that of those eras. And then when we went down to have someone of Miliad and Axe standing to be in there. And he's still at the club now looking after the lone players, isn't he, that go out. So yep. brilliant, brilliant shout that is, Paul. I think I read there as well that um, Dean Smith said that one of his regrets is that he didn't give him a contract going into the, the Premier League season. Mm. 
said it was a mistake on his part because obviously the club needed to recruit and they wanted to start looking for the future. So they kind of decided against giving him a contract in the Premier League. But he said, looking back now, it was a mistake that they could have done with his experience. Yeah. Over to you, boys. Ooh, I've gone... Um... I'll go my right back first and uh, fellow Welshman, Mark Delaney. Uh, growing up, it was just, it's always nice seeing someone, you know, from your country representing Villa. And Mark Delaney was picked up for about 250 grand from Cardiff. He's got a really interesting background. He was working in a wool factory in West Wales playing semi professional football. Cardiff picked him up. He had one season, maybe two at Cardiff, and Villa took him. And he just, Brilliant service for us. Just a solid, dependable right back. Probably wouldn't fit in today's game with the attacking, you know, fullbacks that are going around now. But he was a seven, eight out of ten every game. Didn't get beaten easily and was just rock solid for us. And I loved seeing a Welshman in a in a Villa shirt for a long time. And he's only recently left the club. I think he was looking after the under twenty ones, but he's he's just gone off. So I'm not sure where he's up to now. But for me, 250 grand for the service we got from him is just brilliant business. So yeah, Mark Delaney for me, right back. Love it. Over to you, Spud. Yeah, as I, as I mentioned before, right back that really that I loved was Oral Barrett. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just thought I just thought he was brilliant. I just loved that that team. Ron Atkinson's team, you know, is the team that made me fall in love with Villa. Like, and uh I just think oh, I don't think he gets enough. Is. Like I, 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 he doesn't get mentioned often enough. Like he, he was a sensational fullback. Like. I absolutely love that call. That is a great call. Um, my final player is someone who is either loved or you know typical Villa style. He's either loved or or he, he's the um, curse for us. Um, but I'm, I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but just for what he brings in terms of personality, everything like this, it's Tyrone Mings. I think, yeah, I think there'd be a lot of Villa fans who would agree with you there, Paul, especially, you know, this season. Probably his best season for Villa, you reckon, boys? Well, I would, I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, just, and from the from the start, it looked like he was going pear-shaped, didn't it? Losing the captaincy and looked like he was probably going to be the fall guy and probably going out of Villa, but has come back and has just... Yeah, he leads by example, doesn't he, on the field? Even though he's not captain, I think he's a brilliant shot. You know, he's you know he's played England uh, eighteen games for England now. Yeah, he's racking them up. Um, I, I don't think he gets enough credit for the promotion either. Like no. everyone talks about Grealish coming back to injury. Us signing, we were leaking goals left, right, and centre until we got Mings on loan. That mm. back line up something. And uh, to be fair, James Chester was playing injured too, like so he was playing through a knee injury, but we were. Leaking goals and Mings came in like, and we went on the ten-game run. We conceded hardly any goals, like so. Yes, Grealish gets a lot of the credit, but I think Mings deserves a lot more credit for that promotion too. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last one for me would be a man, another Irish man, absolute hero, mine, beautiful one of a left foot, Steve Staunton. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Brilliant left back. Uh, could hit a ball. Some of the goals that man scored, absolute. I remember. I think remember the game where we beat um, Wimbledon seven one. Oh, yeah, scored an absolute belter that game. Top not corner. that not that big either. Just tough. Just yeah, solid, reliable. What about the dead ball specialist? 
Go, the yeah. goal at Old Trafford, wasn't it, as well? Mm-hmm. Ping one straight in the top corner, just one of the sweetest strikes you'll ever see. What, how many? He had two stints at Villa, didn't he, Spud? He went Villa, to, he, he started at Liverpool, went to Villa, went back to Liverpool, and then back to Villa, I think. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I think he would have went down to, oh, I can't remember who he went after Villa, but uh, yeah, I think he's had two stints in between back and forward to Liverpool. It, it's, yeah. a goal, it's a goal. 93-94 season against United. Yeah, yeah. It is It is against United. And you can just watch that over and over again, guys. Well, yeah. It's just struck it so sweetly. Like you, could, <laughs> you couldn't hit a ball better. Like. Hey, and if you want to see, if you want to see some, uh, you want to see some uh, away shirts uh, in the white format, uh, might give you a bit of inspiration there, people. Yeah, that's the one. When was the last white shirt we had? Away. Um, we had one Daffabet, I think, which wasn't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, was yeah. that? Oh, championship. Nice. Oh, and we we've had a couple actually. Maybe we did have one in the championship. I know we had one with the the squares, like the the, oh, the white. And yeah, when we were sponsored by Nike. Yeah, and we've had another one with Alphabet on. I can't uh, remember the season now. There was also a ninety shirt. Um, when we had the copiers, who were they? The copiers. Oh. Uh, I used, uh, um, we had a white shirt under when we had ninety six as well. The AST computers, white yes. shirt. It kind of was white, wasn't it? I think it was. I, I always thought of that as a blue one. Um, but oh yeah, I think, it is. no, I think it was a white one, wasn't it? I think yeah, they, no, no, they, it's they, white they, bottom, then it's a claret um, kind of strip, and then blue up the top. Yeah, I remember. We definitely had a white one anyway in '96. away, yeah, with the colors. Yeah. Uh, I used to love that jersey, the home one. The, with yeah, the that we won the league cup in. Really nice that, and obviously we wore away sh- white away shirts in '82 as well. So, um, yeah, nah. we definitely oh, we the white hair corns as well, didn't we? Under Martin O'Neill, because uh, I think I can picture Agbanlahor wearing like the what, the hair corns and I the thought, white. Uh, I thought that was the alternative strip, like not the. Was it? Yeah, you could be right now. Yeah, I I definitely seen Agbanlahor wearing a white kit though. We'll have to geek, geek on those uh, kids. I'll tell you what, though, for, for the between the three of us, have you done your fifth one, Rhino? Your fifth no, one? I've got one left. So I've got my left back, and I've gone with Alan Wright. Oh, um, yes. Just a man who just, you know, I love that Villa team, you know, 95, 96, 97. You know, he was – he could play left back, wing back, and just as tough as they come. Only scored one goal for us, I think, against Middlesbrough yeah. away. I think what? it was only one, and what? it's a screamer. It's an absolute had, screamer. If that had come up in a trivia, man, one never would have been my answer. Like, not a I think I uh, fact check me on now, but I'm almost certain is one goal, and um, it's an absolute true, screamer man. against Middlesbrough away. And he was just the same for me as Mark Delaney, just ever dependable, didn't get beaten He's easily. Well, like. Yeah, and and not big, you know, not a big fella, no. but just. Played well above his size, didn't he? Hard and was just, Hard yeah, all all heart and just what you want out of your players, you know, all right. heart and just yeah, didn't shirk Guys, a tackle. Have you, noticed, have you noticed between the three of us, we had pretty, uh, very actually very different fives. Um, yeah. So look, we put this question up actually um, last week, um, and. We had a number of people to give theirs out, so I'd love to read a few out for you guys if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so Mike ABC, oh, sorry, ABFC Cadby, he wrote Spinky's his keeper, right back Delaney, nice uh, centre back McGrath and Evans. Ah, oh, there you go, another Evans beauty. Uh, and 
left back Thornton. Yeah, brilliant. I like that as well. Uh, yeah, Dave Gunthorpe, D Gunth seven. He had Martinez. See, he's already converted. Uh, Boomer Lawson, uh, McGrath, and Kidman. Nice. That's a good varied back five. That's a very back uh, d- different one. But Gidman gets a couple calls here. Church of Aston. Uh, thank you, Church of Aston. He had Bosnich, Gidman, McGrath, Melberg, and Atkin. Mm. Like that. Uh, B6 Dave um, had Spink, Staunton, Lawson, McGrath, and Barrett. So a bit of a mix of all of us there. Nigel Spink was our uh, club keeper that had to come on and play the European Cup final, eh? Yeah. Um, he, he was our backup. He was he was Bosnich's backup as well, like in our kind of generation. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Had a good run at Queen Sheets over the, over different periods as well. Um, Gaz Villa sixty six had Martinez, Gidman, Staunton, McGrath, and Evans. Um, Lynchy one X had Martinez, Atkin, Melberg, God. There we go. One one for you, this bud, and Delaney. <laughs> now this one's nice. This one. Steve Avillan or Crow Hurster has Rimmer, Swain, Evans, Gorn, and Staunton. I Brilliant. Reckon, I reckon you can pick Steve's age. Steve, that is a fantastic shout out. Yeah. Uh, Troy at no underscore coda has Martinez, Staunton, Melberg, McGrath, and Delaney. Kevin Framp, big, big um, supporter of ours. Big Kev 67 has Martinez, Gidman, Melberg, McGrath, and Staunton. Um, I did have a couple of people ask what formation. I just basically said anyone. Um, uh, El Villa, 1874, had Billy George down as our keeper. This is back from 1897 to 1911. 396 appearances for us. Three league titles, an FA Cup, three caps for England, and a most most magnificent moustache. (laughs) I I could really only pick a player that I've seen play. Oh, yeah, that's how I was going. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, I think he's gone down as kind of like our best in a way. Yeah, um, yeah, fair enough too. He's gone right back. Howard Spencer, who played for us back in 1892 for 258 appearances, four league titles, three uh, three FA Cups. Um, yeah, that, I love that. I could read a bit more, but he's also got McGrath and Evans as well. That's a great call, mate. We'll have to go back and look at some of those plays. When we were at when we were at that uh, at that um, evening with Paul McGrath, he was telling us a story there that um that he was uh he drove in he drove in I think it was when Sean Teal they signed at the time and they were and Ron Atkinson was driving into the hotel and obviously like you know McGrath obviously had a lot of trouble with the booze or whatever like so they used to have to try and detox him in the room the night before games and stuff you know so like the players would go down for a meal and a drink like but they couldn't bring McGrath down because he just he wouldn't stop like so he's telling the story this himself like and he said next night anyway they were just after signing Sean Teal and uh yeah, Ron Atkinson's driving into the the players hotel with him like the, a couple of nights before the game and uh, just as he pulled into the hotel car park, Paul McGrath was after climbing out the window and he was climbing down the side of the hotel. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ron Atkinson turned around to Sean Teal and goes, uh, he goes, what? Who's that? He's like, oh, that's your uh, centre-back partner, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh. that story. I love that story. <laughs> just, that was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Uh, I'll keep going with a few guys. General Belgrano has written Martinez, Swain, Evans, McGrath, and Staunton. Um, Anthony, 22140s. Tony has written Bosnich, Melberg, uh, Lauren, Young, and Staunton. 
Yeah, nice. First young we had in there, guys. Um, yeah. Scott Whittle, 85, Martinez, Thornton, Melberg, McGrath and Hutton because of that goal. That's a nice one. <laughs> we got a lot of feedback on this one, guys. Townsend had uh, Staunton. He's at Staunton. He's got Bosnich, Melberg, McGrath, Orson uh, and Staunton. <laughs> anyway, I'll leave it at that. Uh, in exile, Kenny had Jim. Uh, I always say his name wrong. Is it Coombs or Combs? Um, Gidman, Nickel, Ross, and Atkin. Bit of a different one there for us guys. Mm. Uh, Mills, Bosnich, Delaney, Staunton, McGrath, and Mings. If it was best rather than favourite, he'd have Lawson or Melberg um, would be in rather than Mings. Uh, Stephen Billingham has Bosnich, Barrett, McGrath, uh, Wright, and. Uh, I always get Eddie Ogg's name wrong. Um, James Corton has Martinez, Melberg, Gorson, McGrath, and Staunton. Kemp, Rimmer, Gidman, Evans, McNaught, and Marino. Wow. Okay. Oh, Alex Marino getting in there. I love that. Yeah. Tommy Shepard, Spink, Charles, God, Ugo, and Wright. Um, <laughs> Phil has just written, we all know who number five will be. Um <laughs> I love that. Happy as Larry, Martinez, Gidman, Atkin, God, and Evans. Uh, there's a ton there, guys. Read two more out because it was really well done, guys, on putting your yeah. favourite five in. Uh, Mickey D or Dern Michael, R- Rimmer, Gidman, McGrath, Evans, and Aitken. And Steve Smith, he's done – oh, sorry, Pete Smith. He's done a test here, okay, guys? He's gone Bosnich, right, McGrath, Melberg, Delaney, or Leap Mailing, Patton, Corsi, and Pacheco. I don't know where he's going with that. But, guys, the feedback we get from you as listeners and um, people on Twitter and Facebook is amazing. Um, if I've missed anyone there, I apologise. Um, you know, there was 8,000, you know, news interactions on that tweet. So you can understand that was a hard one to get a lot of people out there. Mm. Yeah, thanks a million for all the interaction, listeners. So... Guys, any questions for the rest of us? Anything you want to, before we wrap up this pod? If right now, realistically, name one person you'd like to see us sign and why. Ah, see, that, that's going to be the problem. It's the realistically. Yeah, have to be realistic. Someone that... that... Uh, I'll, leave it to you. I'll leave it to you first. I'll, I'll get out of that one. I like it. I, I did... I think for me, I think a striker, I'm just trying to think of a realistic striker who can come in and like we spoke about earlier is, you know, has to be an improvement on Ollie. So I'd go... Oh, it's tough. Realistic. That's that's the problem, isn't it? Mm. Ooh. I did pick Telemans before he signed. I said we could get him, and we did. <laughs> um, well, do your Midas touch again now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just trying to think who I could uh, who I could get in this time. But I would say, uh, all right, I might. I'll 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 change tact a little bit. I've seen a lot of talk of right backs, and I think that going back to Leicester, I think that. Castagna, the right back there, is another player I think would be uh, he'd be gettable, but is he better than Matt Cash? Oh, debatable. I'm gonna, I'm, I 
because I do think we will get a right back given the young's gone out the door. And I'm just trying. I'll go Timothy Castagna from Leicester. Rightio. I'll, I like it. I'm going to go Marcus Theram from... He just signed uh, for AC Milan. Oh, he did, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he Man, I've had him on my... um, I've had him on my, you know, uh, 23 to 27-year-old list. Did he just sign yeah, for... He just signed for AC Milan, yeah. Signed, still delivered, I think. When did he do that? Uh, a couple of days ago. I am... Great I, move for both of them, I think. I, yeah. I've been honestly eyeing him off for ages, so... Uh, I'll go over to you, mate, because that's a bad miss by me. I had I had him down as the one we should be targeting. Um, for me, I I would say Harvey Barnes. I think Harvey Barnes would be a lovely signing for us, to be honest. Yeah. Um, goal scoring winger. Um, something we I think we really lack. Yep. And 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 he's a threat in behind. I I think under transition he'd be a weapon for us to have. So I'm going to say Harvey Barnes. That's yep. really good signing as well. I'm I'm um. I'm pretty disappointed in mine there, mate, because I've been eyeing, I've been eyeing him. Yeah, I've been watching him for a long time. I think he's so suited to our team as well, Marcus Turan. But uh, yeah, I think it's signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I think the World Cup has just uh, brought too much attention to him. You know, yeah. I'm, you know what though, I'm kind of glad he went to AC Milan because I think Paris Saint Germain, a lot of the, the top money clubs that don't really need him, were sniffing around. So I'm glad he made a career choice too, like as opposed to a money choice. Yeah. Well. Look, I think somewhere, can we go a different angle just before we finish? You know, somewhere that I still really, really think that we should be looking at, and it's something we haven't done very well and other clubs have. I still think there's a massive market in Asia, South Korea and Japan for fast kind of attacking midfielders, wingers, almost strikers there. I I think there's, I'm sure we will be looking in those kind of markets, but I look at how Celtic's been revitalised. I, I look at even, you know, quite teams like Tottenham. Um, I, I just think that there's a massive market in Asia that we're completely overlooking at the moment. South Korea and Japan are constants in the um, Asia Cup, but they're also constants now in the World Cup. And I just think that could be something really cool, something very different um, for a lot of our British fans, is that I think we're untapped and I'd love to see Villa get some Asian players I think Andrews the the Asian market fabulously at, uh, in the Scottish League. He brought four brilliant players in one, one South Korean, three Japanese, and uh, your man Kyogo had an unbelievable season for Celtic. I think he scored yeah. thirty six goals. He scored he scored a a brace in the last two cup finals as well. So he's uh, uh he's been a weapon. I wonder will he end up at, at Tottenham with um with uh. Good Ange. Ange, mm. Ange, yeah, I mean, well, Ange, Ange loves, um, Ange loves his, um, uh, I mean, obviously he managed in Japan as well. So Tottenham's yeah. got a really good foothold into getting into that Asian market because Ange knows so many of the player agents. He knows how it works there. Um, I think Tottenham have got more than they could ever imagine with Ange. They've got tactical nows. They've got a manager who's going to tell people to get stuffed. Um, he literally will tell them to get stuffed if they get in his way. Uh, so he's going to be really good for them, but hopefully not too good. It's going to be interesting to see how he manages um, a club of Tottenham stature because uh, he's obviously a very, very good coach. Like so, but this this is a huge step up for him, and Wait. and I hope I hope like his let's say his lack of massive major trophies doesn't go against him. You know, and, when, and when, you massive, when you uh-huh. say it's a massive step up for him, um, Premier League is a big I, step. I, I know, I kind of know what you're saying there, but he's also coached national teams at all levels. Um, so he's done, you know, his junior development. He's coached the Socceroos. 
he's coached, um, you know, winning titles in Japan and, and Asian Champions League. And I know what you're saying about a massive step up. And if it was maybe a Manchester United, if it was a Manchester City, I just don't, I don't think Tottenham's as good a team as what people think they are. They're... It's a far, it's a big club in the Premier League, though. I, I just think, I, I think he definitely has the capabilities. I'm not questioning his coaching ability, but this, this is different. Like it, it, is, I, it is. I know what you're saying, Spud, but I mean, this is where I, I get a bit. I hope pissed it works off. Out I get a bit pissed off with the whole, um, you know, British is best kind of bullshit. Because I look at the recycled coaches that get, you know, who tried to save Leeds and players like that. Those guys are frigging ancient. They're done. And the fact that, you know, if if he was an Aussie 60-odd years of age, he never would have been given the gig, you know, or 70 years of age. He never would have been given the gig at Leeds. We have to face the fact that the Premier League is such a multicultural competition. Look, I know... I know what Ange is like, and I think Tottenham are blessed to get him. Oh, I, I, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think it could be brilliant for him, but I just hope they give hey, him the time because even when he started at Celtic, he had a very rough ride at the start. But that that is different. What you've said there, Spud, I absolutely agree with. Him handling it, he'll handle it. Yeah, he'll, ha- he'll handle it better than Graham Potter did anyway. Oh, he'll have no issues. And I can tell you now, knowing that the statue of this man, like knowing who yeah. he is, his family background, mm-hmm. he we will have think- abs. When you're someone like, like say, like Ange, uh, you know, will the Spurs fans give him the, give him the time if he doesn't start well, like the Celtic fans did, you know? What? Celtic fans welcomed him with open arms and he talks yes. about that himself. Like he had a rough enough start at Celtic and he went down and done unbelievable there. But, um, I suppose what you, you said, Spud, sorry, what you've spit, uh, said, Spud, I completely concur with, will they give him time? That's because what I mean. will, yeah. will he handle it? Yes. It, yeah. That won't won't be a thing for him to handle it. it yeah. Will they give him the time? Yes, I I, I agree with that. I, I think he's a super coach. Though I've I've started. I'll be honest with you. I didn't really know a whole pile about him, but obviously when he went to Celtic, I got a lot more interested, and I started looking at him. And oh, like his teams play good football. Like I, I I'm I'm excited to see him what he can do with like an actual. Mate, I've team. never seen I've never seen a, a local Australian team play the style of football they did when he was uh, our manager at Brisbane Raw. It was amazing. You know, we had Korean players. We had German players. We had all these players who were just good on the ball. And we moved the ball quickly. And we went 38 games undefeated at one stage. And it was the most magical football, including following Villa, that I've ever been part of as a supporter. Yeah, I've never seen Villa play this style of football, ever. So, um, I'm not comparing I still, the two. I, still, not... I still stand by, though, that the Premier League is a different beast to what he's experienced before, like... Oh you know? yeah, no, no doubt in the world. But if anyone can handle the step up, this yeah. guy can do it. I, he's he's on his right though. He's he's on he's on this like he he deserves a crack because he's done brilliant in Australia. He's done well. How did he do it internationally, Paul? Yeah, look, the Socceroos were a mess when he was there. Right, um, I don't I don't know much about no, I'm not being facetious. I'm actually interested. No, to know, no, and and he, he left might teach me something on it. Like. He left us not long before a World Cup uh, and everything like that. But there was a look. Australian football cannibalizes itself. Um, so he probably didn't do as well as he would have expected there. Um, but he qualified for, qualify for the World Cup, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, the thing is, the 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 thing is, um, the international game, as we know, would Gareth South would, would Gareth Southgate make a good coach at club level? He doesn't make a good coach at international. No. <laughs> yeah. I, 
Yeah, I think, um, like you say, Ange's done a really good job. I just hope he doesn't do a too good a job at Spurs, fellas, I'll be honest. I just want us. Yeah, that's it. If they, if they finish below us, I'm happy. So, yeah. <laughs> We're um, they're they're the teams we're competing with though, aren't they? You know the Spurs, the Newcastles, you know the teams in and around us. So yeah, yeah, spot on. Well, let's come back, Spud, and put it upon you, mate. Realistic signing, you know, up forward. Who who you think? Who have you got your eyes on? Well, Harry Barnes would have been my winger. I think I, I'd oh, like to see right. him. But from from a striker point of view, you know, I wouldn't be too upset if we signed Alexander Mitrovic. And that's nah. damn straight. Um, I, I think I think an old uh, bit of a rough guy up top that can score goals wouldn't be bad for us. I think. Mm. Uh, uh, it gives us something we don't have, Spud. That yeah. that what you just said, we don't have that. Just smash the ball in the, you know, cause damage, cause chaos. Yeah. We don't have that yeah. player up forward. And, and and like I mean, you've got players like Maddie Cash and them who can swing. They swing. Oh, sorry, Luca Dean and 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 um, uh, what's his name, Alex Moreno, who can swing balls into that box. You know, he can get his head and stuff like he. Yeah. Rough, like, and I I actually think he'd be a good partner for Ali because he'd take a lot of the attention away at the centre backs because he's a bit. He's a bit of a knacker, like. <laughs> so, yeah. I think I think he'd be. Uh, I I think I think he'd be. I don't I don't see it happening, but I I would I wouldn't be. Look, Twitter probably throws uh, hands up in the air if uh, we sign him, but I wouldn't. I think he'd be a good signing. Yeah. And look, someone's going to come out. Um, we're going to grab someone, um, definitely who who none of us expected because that's going to be the nature. Um, now the uh, the Oxlade Chamberlain uh, rumours went down pretty quickly, didn't they? Yeah. That was that was pretty quickly closed down. I tell um, you a rumor that keeps coming up though, fellas, and I keep seeing it. Now, and like the, you know, it's obviously Twitter, so you, you know we don't know if it's true it? or not. No, it's the it's the Pau Torres one. Yeah. I see regular links there, and I'm just thinking, you know, obviously Mings has signed a long term contract, and you know, if anyone's probably going to be squeezed out, it's, it's Torres. But they've got Diego Carlos, Mings, Conza, and I think Pau Torres would be. He's a left-footed centre back, I believe. So, yeah. I, what do you what do you think? You know, do you reckon there's any legs in the in that rumor? I know he's worked with Emery in the past at Villarreal. I think that's where it started. The legs, I'm not sure of. Mm. Oh, I think there's too many links for there not to be something in it. I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, he's the he's the quality. He's a quality ball playing centre back, though. Um, I, I just don't know. Like, it's, it's hard to know because we know what he thinks of Mings because he's after giving him a contract. You obviously have Carlos coming back. The only way, like, I could see him signing Torres is if he if he sees um, Kanza battling Mings for the right back spot or the uh, Maddie Cash for the right back spot, maybe. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of yeah. I, he's a good player. Yeah, and if he comes in and dislodges someone. I'm not going to be upset. I said no. I'm going to back whatever Emery does from now on. You know, yeah. like he's he aren't that right. You know, um, is it a lazy link because Villarreal? I don't know. Like everyone was telling us, there six months or in in January we were nailed on to sign uh, Nick Nicholas Jackson as well, and mm. it turned out to be nothing in that. And he's just signed for Chelsea now. So I was guys. I know we're going to finish the pod, and it is a Villa podcast. But someone, I was just looking at a free agency the other day. And someone, I mean, when you think of guys who, who looked like they were going to burn brightly and just died in the ass, Hamas Rodriguez. Where is he now? Are you, didn't he go off to the Middle East to play for a bit yeah. after Everton? Yeah, I think he just got and, released by them. I think he did. Yeah, he did. And I think his market value, you know, when you go and look at those, I think his market mm. value is about five or six million. I mean, it just goes to show you can pay a fortune for someone. I mean, and. 
you know, he would have only been in, in his late 20s when he was shining brightly, and he's just burned out so quickly. But but even at Everton, when he first hit the um, when he first got to Everton, he was on fire, wasn't he? And I think it was under Ancelotti, so, you know, they were going really well at that point, Everton, and he looked back to his best. But, yeah, it's fallen off really quick for him, and as soon as Ancelotti left, it felt like he left as well, and, yeah, it just hasn't recovered. So, look, I think um, if anyone has stayed listening to this pod tonight, I think we know as much as you do, uh, if not less, about signings. And the club's just going to come out with surprises. I'm not going to even judge the players that we sign. I'm going to wait and see them play because they're going to be players we've barely heard of, I reckon. It's just my gut feeling. Give us, give us, give us one, before we go, give us one statement that you think, doesn't matter what is related there, that you think will happen. But... No one else might think it would happen. Oh, a tough one. Spud, you can start on that one, mate. Uh, we will win a trophy before Newcastle. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, I've, I think with us, I think it's it's along the trophy lines as well. But I'm going to say, um, yeah, we'll, we'll win a trophy if not two, in the next three or four years, we'll win multiple. Okay. Just to be contrary, we're going to have a 25 goals um, forward in the next three years. That's a good one. I like that. It's something we have been crying out for, so I hope you're right, mate, because it's <laughs> yeah. sorely so. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, mate, you're only as good as your strikers, you know? Just that's, that's, you need someone putting the ball in the net. Like. I, just, I just hope that all three of us are right. That yeah. would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Guys, we will be looking at midfields this week. So we'll be posting up your you know, your favorite midfield there, more than likely based on your formations. Uh it's gonna be obviously um well, I can't say obviously you put up your midfields, we'll put a post up about it. Look, it's not the greatest, it's your favorite midfield. Your favorite midfield and give it a bit of rationale why. So we'll have that up on socials this week. Boys, is there anything else before we go? No, nah, just with um, keeping an eye on Jacob Ramsey at the under-21s at the moment. Obviously got a goal in the week and continuing yep. his fine form. It's really good to see Cameron Archer's out there with him as well. So good luck to those boys and hoping to see them, you know, flourish out there. Spot on. Spot? Um, I just, it baffles me how Danny Murphy is a pundit still. <laughs> uh, he's got photos of someone doing something really bad. <laughs> That yeah, guy is such yeah. an inconsistent muppet. Like, <laughs> it's unbelievably bad. I, I, I don't have the energy to do it, but if you went back over the last couple of years and put up his outrageous statements and the hypocrisy of it, like, he rever- he reverses his position so quickly without ever apologising for the previous position he makes. The guy is dead set a muppet. He is the if, if anyone on this podcast listens to AFL or watch follows AFL. Daddy Murphy is like cane corns in Australia. It's <laughs> a good, it's a good way of describing him. Jesus, <laughs> guys, please follow us on our Facebook page, uh, Australian Villa fans. Get us on Twitter uh, at Aussie Villains. Um, we can get you, Spud, and your sensational commentary. We can get you where um, at Spud four six eight five and Rhino at Rhino underscore Watkins.
And if you want to get tortured by really irrelevant stuff, including really irrelevant music statements that, for example, Guns N' Roses uh, album, Appetite for Destruction, is in the top 10 albums of all time, you can get me at Paul underscore football. This is the Aussie Villains podcast, and we will speak to you at some stage this week. Up the villa. Up the, Up the villa. Because that was a tough one tonight. Good question, Spud. Threw me way out. And yeah. I believe that my... my my watch, and I've had him on transfer watch, has signed. Yeah, I know. It's a pity, like, because I doubt his quality. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Aussie Villains Podcast, a crew with Paul hosting with Spud, Tess, and Rhino. You can get us on Twitter at Aussie Villains. We also have a bit of a group there. Get us on Facebook at Australian Fans of Villa. And you can get the podcast through the Love Sport Podcast Network on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Aussie Villains Podcast. Up the villa!